to read is rarely told, and it's not well known. In the lectionary or the prescribed reading, it comes up three, every three years and is the Sunday after Christmas. So it's not necessarily widely known. Listen for the word of the Lord as we continue to read in Matthew. Now after the wise men left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night, and went to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, Out of Egypt I have called my son. When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he was infuriated. And he sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or under. And according to the time he had learned from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, wailing and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children, She refused to be consoled because they were no more. Then Herod died, and an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who are seeking the child's life are dead. Then Joseph got up and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And after being warned in a dream, he went away to the district of Galilee. There he made his home in a town called Nazareth, so that what had been spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled. He will be called a Nazarene. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Amid all the voices of the world, O Lord, let us hear your voice. Let us receive your hope. And let us know your presence. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. With what do you associate the wise men? The first thing that comes to my mind is the Christmas pageant here. We have costumes in the attic that must be, what, 30 years old? And the youth come down the aisle, and we've got sheep and shepherds, and we've got little gowns for the itty-bitties, and we have these very elaborate costumes for the three kings. They're trimmed with gold, and they have these beautiful hats to wear, and they come in bringing this ornate box. 
And that's what I think of first. How about you? The second that I think about is a Christmas card with three men on camels riding at night, looking towards a star. But the story is, of course, a little more complicated than that. These wise men are dreamers and explorers who look toward the horizon, and what they see in their mind is what the rest of us don't see or don't want to see. These wise men may have followed the prophet Zoaster, talking about a God who was the supreme God of truth and justice. As was common in the time, people looked to the heavens for signs and for seasons, and they marked their world by the changes that came in the sky. There are century-old traditions about the wise men. They were named Gaspar from the continent of India, Melchior from Persia, and Balsazar from Babylon. And we can believe that they are put in the story because they symbolically represent the known world, that this Jesus is not just a baby who will grow up and be just for Israel, but for the world. Now, I'm not sure how wise these wise men are. They do two things that seem less than clever. The first one is they don't ask their wives what they should bring for a baby and a new mother. There is not a spoon, a bag of diapers, a change of clothes, or blankets. Do you know how many diapers a baby goes through in a day? Really, they're so impractical. Instead, they bring these gifts that are not at all practical. Now, the gold, yes, they can use that, you know, and will need to use it when they flee to Egypt. But frankincense was used in the temple to burn as incense, and myrrh is a tactless gift. It's absolutely tactless because it was used to anoint dead bodies. And can you imagine the new parents looking at this and saying, Ooh, what do we need that for? The second less than clever thing that the wise men do is to spread it around Jerusalem that they are looking for the new king of the Jews. Obviously, they did not check Herod out on Facebook or Wikipedia. They did not go to the market and say, Hey, tell us about Jerusalem. And if they had done a little research, they would have found out that Herod was a brutal and oppressive ruler. He killed his wife and two sons because he believed that they were plotting against him. Towards the end of his life, Herod said there would be no one who mourned his death, and so a hundred Jews should be killed so there would at least be wailing in the street. The order was not carried out, but it betrays his ruthless nature. 
So when Herod hears the scuttlebutt that there are these strangers, these scholars that have come from the east looking for the newborn king, he is frightened, the text said. This man, commander of vast armies, is frightened. And it says rather tongue-in-cheek, and all Jerusalem was frightened too because... If Herod ain't happy, nobody's happy. The baby Jesus is a threat to Herod, a threat to his political and economic power. And as we know, tyrants will do anything to hold on to their supremacy and dominance. So feigning interest Herod invites the three wise men in. I imagine he gives them some wine and some bread, invites them to dinner, and they sit down and have a little roast lamb, some figs, some olives. And he says, tell me, just when did this star appear that you're following? And what do you think it means? And they tell him, And then Herod says, oh, come back and tell me where he is so that I may go and worship him too. But because the wise men are dreamers and Joseph and the wise men believe dreams and messages from God, they hear in a dream that they should not return to Herod and then Joseph hears in a dream that they ought to get out of town. And they do. And then comes the part that is so awful in this story. Herod is so infuriated that he sends troops to Bethlehem and kills all the children to and under I don't think I can imagine the mothers clinging to their children and screaming and the fathers seeking to defend their children and being cut down by swords. It is an awful scene, but it is as current as Aleppo and refugees and the massacre of children at Sandy Hook Elementary School. And I wonder why the gospel is so clearly wants this story in. I believe that the gospel of Matthew includes it so that we know that God in Jesus Christ comes into the world as it is. In its violence in its heated hatred, in its despair. And that God so loved the world that God came to us not because we were good or righteous, but because we're broken and we need a Savior. I look at the world and see the need for a Savior. I imagine you do too. 
The good Lord needs, knows that we need to be saved from ourselves. We need rescue from our deadly grip on power. We need deliverance from our hatred. We need and want a Savior who can change us, to change our hearts, and to change the world. And we need to know that the Herods of this world do not have the last word. This is the hope of Christmas, that in Jesus Christ, God came in the world to be God with us, God with us in all the terrible places, in all the brokenness of our own lives, and that Christ knows our pain and can redeem it. In some ways, we are dreamers like the wise men. We search for the light of the star and follow the light of the world. We follow the light of the world believing and hoping and trusting and holding on to the promise that Jesus as the light of the world, that his light has the last word and that darkness will not overcome it. Thanks be to God. Mm-hmm.